1: you're listening to let's eat in i'm your host kathy Irway, and uh this is on heritage radio network at roberta's pizza today's uh sponsor is fairway market check out fairwaymarket.com you can also check out fairway market interestingly enough in the book uh that i'm holding right now which is written by the lovely sherry eisenberg thanks so much for joining us thank you for having me cool so um her book is called "The Food Lover's Guide to Brooklyn." It just came out two days ago, uh, June first. June first. Congratulations! Thank you. It's gorgeous. There's actually uh, on the cover a Roberta's pizza, <laughs> which we're about to eat. <laughs> um, oh yeah. By the way. Okay. Anyway. Um. So it's it's a it's a guide to the best local specialties, markets, recipes, restaurants, and events. That's an interesting. Uh, group of things. It's not just uh, restaurants. It's local spe- It's like, what? It's food. <laughs> it's, yeah,
2: it's everything about food in Brooklyn. So I go neighborhood by neighborhood through the whole borough and For each neighborhood, I suggest restaurants and places to eat, uh, people who make food in that neighborhood, people who sell food in that neighborhood. So you'll find things like cheese stores, bakeries, um, and then there are also recipes from – in a lot of cases, it's interesting Brooklyn flea vendors who've given me recipes – Um, Yeah, I'm looking at one right now for Salvatore Brooklyn's ricotta. And it's so much easier than I thought it would be. I had never made ricotta before. I tested it for the book, and it's, it's fabulous. It's really a uh, totally different thing than buying it from the grocery store. Good for them for giving away their secrets. <laughs> yeah, I was really mm-hmm. surprised. I hardly, I think only one place said they wouldn't give me their recipe. <laughs> Everybody else was totally happy to cooperate and gave me exactly what I asked for. And I think that um, there's a real generosity in Brooklyn that's lovely.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there seems to be like a collaborative sharing mm-hmm. spirit. Absolutely. And I'm sure you have the Brooklyn Flea as one of the events or whatever it is. I don't yeah, know. the
2: Brooklyn Flea, I feel market. like they're sort of all over the book, actually, mm-hmm. because a lot of the stores that are really trendy right now and a lot of the people who are making food started at the Flea. And the Flea is actually this amazing incubator in Brooklyn for the next generation of people making food. So I feel like they're all over the place. Yeah,
1: that's like could be a separate category. <laughs> <so>. mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and I see you have Eagle Street rooftop farms I do that's really fun that's
2: such a fun place to go visit and uh, climb up the steps and suddenly you see this amazing Manhattan skyline with vegetables in front of it
1: yeah it's booming now it is booming now great and uh, you also went to like every corner of the borough it's not just these places that uh we hear so much about in the news but I see like you know hand-pulled noodles on 71st street sunset park Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I went to Bensonhurst
2: and Sunset Park, and I really went, you know, sort of to every neighborhood in Brooklyn looking for what you would want to eat if you were there. And I did an enormous amount of research, but I also spent a lot of time just wandering around each neighborhood, stumbling upon things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of, you know, I think a lot of food writers and a lot of Brooklyn foodies know what's going on in Williamsburg and Park Slope. And, you know, when you have the lead time of a book, you're not going to break news on that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I got to places before people covered them but before the book came out other stories would come out about these places but when you're talking about something like Brighton Beach or um, Bay Ridge or Bensonhurst the the more off- the path neighborhoods right. that are further away from Manhattan I think get a lot less coverage and so for Brooklyn foodies who really already know what's going on in Williamsburg and Greenpoint they're gonna be surprised to see how much there is that they don't know about the other neighborhoods
1: cool I, I feel like that you're kind of like an explorer like there's a definitely like a wandering <laughs> tribe of Brooklyn foodies who try mm-hmm. to be the first one to find that rare gem that nobody else did first yeah and I'm a travel writer by trade so Mm -hmm.
2: even though I live in Brooklyn and this is this is my home I did sort of treat it like the same kind of research project as if I was writing about food in Singapore and I read everything there was to read and then I just gave myself the time to wander and see what I found cool what was the most exciting find that was unexpected maybe you know I think that um for me, I really enjoyed Sunset Park. Um, Fifth Avenue is full of these amazing little Mexican restaurants, and I spent several weeks doing the taco tour of wow. Sunset Park. And I would bring friends with me, and I would be like, "Okay, here are the rules: don't eat before you come, <laughs> bring a bottle of water and like a stash of plastic forks, and we're gonna go to like twelve to fourteen different can taco you, places can you today." Me next time? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, cool. it's fun, but it's really exhausting. And for mm. me, I was doing it every Saturday and Sunday. Day for about six months, and I was doing about 30 places every weekend, and we were, my husband and I were bringing other friends with us, so for them, they always thought it was this cool novelty idea to spend a day eating.
1: And you guys were just like, this is getting, getting really crazy. Tired of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely. My husband was such a trooper, but by the end, he was like, please break other people. I can't eat another
1: taco. Don't make me. <laughs> and they say the uh, Mexican food in New York is no good, right?
2: know they, they say that, but... Go out there. You have to get, you know, to the places where maybe they don't speak English and maybe you have to point at what you want, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe you have to, there, you have to take a minute to sort of figure out the menu. Um, it's not going to be what you're used to necessarily, but there's great Mexican food. You just have to be willing to you hunt it to down. You have to weed through it, yeah. You do. <laughs> I, I also found the Chinese food was really exciting. Yeah,
1: has Sunset Park just... Um The Chinatown there taking over. It is. It's amazing.
2: 8th Avenue is so much fun to me. You know, from like tiny little dive places with noodle soups and dumplings where it's just shockingly cheap uh, how the food is um, to like these amazing opulent dim sum parlors where Mm -hmm. um, the setting is really fun. And you can tell that for the local Chinese families, you know, it's sort of a big family thing to go spend a good chunk of the afternoon there
1: eating dim sum. That sounds really fun. I was joking before that it sounds like Sherry's book... Uh, the mission of it is kind of like the opposite of mine. It <laughs> is.
2: For like six months, I didn't cook or eat in, and, and so that's what I was really craving. <laughs> so when your book came out, I was like, oh, that must have been fun. <laughs> like, I just don't have room. <laughs> I can't possibly make something. No, I ate out yeah. every night, and if I was gonna skip a night for some reason because I had to go to a friend's party or something, mm-hmm. I would do two the next night to make wow, up for it. you were
1: like on a mission. I was
2: on a mission. It was I guess really intense.
1: you must get that experience from going to other places you do travel writing because you only have so Mm -hmm. much time people put you out up there somewhere and you're like oh my god Yeah. if
2: the magazine is sending me to Quebec City to eat foie gras I'm probably eating foie gras at every meal you know but after three or four days you get to go home and then have a salad and not eat foie gras for a while whereas when you're spending you know a good seven months of intense research and there's no break from it it is a little
1: bit more tiring Oh, what a trooper (laughs) well thank you for doing this for us so that we may benefit from the research that you got.
2: In the end, it was a lot of fun, you know? It was it was a really great experience. And I, I have to say, I think part of why it was such a great experience is that there really is so much in Brooklyn that's exciting. I'm not sure that every city would be able to provide this kind of information. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And just the borough of uh, Brooklyn, which we were just talking about it, we were looking for songs and we couldn't find any songs about mm-hmm. Brooklyn. We're like, there's a lot of songs about New York, and New York, New York, and... Yeah, Brooklyn. But, you know, it's funny. um, There's all these other, like, I'm sure you've heard of the new Brooklyn Cookbook Mm -hmm. coming out this fall. And Michael harlan Turkell also shot it. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I was just reading the other day um, uh, Bill McKibben's new book called Mm E-Earth. And there was, like, just some random aside. Um, He was talking about how building, like, more local economies was, was a positive change to focus on the future and he just like kind of offhandedly mentioned like oh in a recent like new york times article brooklyn has a booming like artisanal food scene like and locally you know made crafts and i was just like whoa brooklyn's really on the map i feel like everyone's like talking about you know brooklyn food as a distinct thing from uh Separate from New York. Yeah, Yeah. it is. I feel like the Brooklyn uh, restaurant
2: scene is a totally different thing than what you would find in Manhattan. Even if it's a restaurant where the entrees are $20. With very few exceptions, you can still wear jeans and there's still a casual vibe, and there are still sort of young people, you know, tattoos and kind of the hipster look. It's just a very different atmosphere. You know, if you're spending $25 for an entree in Manhattan, it's probably a little dressier and a little more polished, and it's Mm -hmm. not so casual and comfortable as Brooklyn is.
1: That's an interesting uh,
2: distinction. I think some of that is that, you know, chefs who made their names at big Manhattan restaurants really want to do something that. Is more casual when they mm-hmm. open up their restaurants in Brooklyn, and they want it to feel comfortable and personal and young, right. you know. And and they know it's not going to be expense account people who need it to be a really sure. formal, polished atmosphere.
1: Uh-huh. It's going to be people who live in the neighborhood who just want great food. Absolutely, and you definitely have the scope of different uh, communities, ethnic communities that mm-hmm. are like just going out for doom sum, and that's what they do yeah absolutely manhattan you know queens yes you'd still you'd still see that but yeah brooklyn's where it's at (laughs)
2: it's such an exciting moment for brooklyn and i feel like i i did sort of luck out with the timing when i first started working on the book maybe a year and a half ago I felt like, you know, Brooklyn was very up and coming with the food scene and and the flea had started to launch a lot of different places and exciting restaurants were opening everywhere. Um, But I didn't know what was going to be happening now, you know, a year and a half later and whether or not that would be sustained. And I think it's actually grown so much more than I would have hoped, you know, when I first started working on it.
1: Yeah, I I should have this uh, friend of mine on sometime, but, uh, you know, Greenpoint Food Market Mm -hmm it just kind of burst. Like, it just has blossomed into so many people, like, deciding to run a, like, you know, start up a cookie company or something. Yeah, it's It's amazing.
2: Infectious. And people's, you know, weekend plaything is becoming their primary job, which is really wonderful that people can support themselves doing food businesses
1: that they would have originally thought might just be hobbies. Totally. Now, do you see other people from around the world, around the country, um picking up this book and just, like, getting a real good taste, or do you think...
2: I do. do I think think if you're a foodie and you're visiting from Mm -hmm. San Francisco or some other part of the country, um, I think it's really nice to have everything in one place for you. And the publisher designs this book to be what they call glove compartment size, but it's also purse or backpack size, you know? It's not a coffee table book like I think the new Brooklyn Cuisine cookbook is going to be. It's definitely something you can sort of get ratty and leave in your bag and refer to. It has um, these maps that I think are really helpful for each neighborhood so you can see what's right near where you're standing and what your choices are for lunch you know and i think if you're going to be a visitor and you're going to walk across the Brooklyn bridge it's really nice to know what's in dumbo and brooklyn heights when you get to the other side right
1: and it but it's so much more charming than just a guide guide like there's a lot of these sections where you write in depth about what exactly is a brooklyn style pizza and you go through the history here i love this section getting in on a csa Um, Because there's so many in Brooklyn, which is exciting. Yeah, they've become huge
2: here, and I think the goal of the book was to have it be useful for someone who is a first-time visitor, who might be going to the Brooklyn Museum of Art and not know where they should have lunch, Um, but also for someone who lives here and already, you know, reads Eater and knows, you know, they read New York Magazine, they know sort of what the latest new restaurants are. They don't really need me to tell them about Fatty Q and Pies and Thighs. They probably (laughs) already know that. Yeah. Um, So I tried to go in-depth enough that even for someone who knows their neighborhood really well, um, they'll be able to learn something about other neighborhoods. And I also think a lot of Brooklynites, tell me if you agree, people know their own neighborhood like the back of their hand. They can tell you the best pizza place. If they live in Park Slope, they can tell you where to have lunch in Park Slope and where to have a drink and where to go for a date. But they might not know Carroll Gardens that well, or they might not know Williamsburg that well. And the subways don't necessarily connect every neighborhood that easily. Mm -hmm. So depending on where you live, I think you are such an expert on your own neighborhood but maybe not on the rest of Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I I see I see what you mean, totally.
2: Where, which neighborhood do you live in? I live in Brooklyn Heights, which is kind of ironic because I actually say in the book, I, I think it's one of the least foodie parts of the mm-hmm. borough. And that's changed, that's starting to change, which I think is really exciting. Crop to Cup opened recently and they carry Comquat Cupcakery and, and some other local oh, things. Great. And Iris Cafe opened recently and, and they're doing some interesting things. Um, but up until maybe a year ago, I wouldn't really have said Brooklyn Heights had very much for a visiting foodie Mm -hmm. which which makes me sad you know it's a beautiful neighborhood and I love living there but it is it is not necessarily the heart of foodie Brooklyn Uh
1: uh-huh yeah well I have to say I haven't explored too much in my neighborhood I I, well I mean I've I was not eating out for a while. But I was living there. But, uh, no, I I, um, I look forward to seeing uh, your scopes of the best of the best in Crown Heights, which is where I live. Oh wow, the Caribbean absolutely food mecca. And I, as a travel writer, I've spent a lot of
2: time in the Caribbean islands, and it was really exciting Ooh. to me to try to track down that Terrific. food in New York and to find the Bayesian place that does the fish cutter sandwiches with the homemade salt bread, just mm-hmm. like you can get in the islands. And I was pretty excited by what I found
1: in cool. the Caribbean parts yeah. of Brooklyn. We all have to exchange uh, best ofs mm-hmm. and, you know, where to get the. Craziest fruit juices. I mean, that's kind of (laughs) excited to me. The thing
2: that's kind of exciting about it to me, though, is that the Caribbean restaurants in Brooklyn are more Caribbean than they are Brooklyn. You know, they kind of keep their own schedule. They might run out of food. They might start cooking the jerk chicken late if they don't feel like it. That's an interesting thought. A lot of them, like the jerk chicken places, you know, Jamaica is such a casual, laid back kind of place. So I made this huge list of like 25 jerk chicken places that I had to go to. um, And most of them, I I had to go back maybe three or four times because i would show up during business hours and they might
1: be out of the jerk chicken
2: uh, um or they yeah. might not be
1: open even I, though I've normally they're this, open but i didn't know that that was re- like representative of the culture back home and it is yeah i mean it
2: is. people cool. wouldn't be horrified by that in jamaica it's just sort of like you know people live their lives and they're really
1: casual That's there to go yeah whatever about mm-hmm. um what's it consistency heck yeah, exactly. You know, let the, let the days and seasons, whatever, just determine what you're doing. For um, me, it was kind of frustrating, because I <laughs> needed to try the jerk chicken, and
2: I finally had to say, like, okay, if I'm there four times, and they don't have it, I have to give up, Well, if you
1: need a place to crash next time, you're, like, <laughs> doing extended. All right, so we're going to just have a quick uh, song. We'll be right back. Uh, thanks. Where'd you get those eyes? Gosh, oh, get up How'd they get so up? Gosh, oh, get up How'd they get that size? Golly gee When you turn those cheaters on Oh, it's me Got to turn my cheaters on Jeepers, creepers Where'd you get those peepers? Oh, those weepers How they hypnotize. To get those eyes? Uh... And now they offer Johnny Mercer.
2: Jeepers creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Oh, those weepers, how they hypnotize! Gosh, all get up, how they get so lit up! Gosh, all get up, how they get that size? Golly gee! When you turn those eaters on, woe is me. Gotta put my cheaters on cheapers creepers. Where'd you get those peepers? Oh those weepers. How they hypnotize
1: Hello, we're back dives. on Let's Eat In. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. Um that was just a little fun number with a uh, with a whole selection of Billy Holiday, everybody. It was fun. We couldn't figure out what to play. It happens. Uh, so this is Heritage Radio, um, brought to you today by Fairway Market, uh, the world's largest market. No, the world's, what's the tagline? The
2: foodiest market?
1: Yeah. Something. We'll figure it out. Hmm. Our guest today is Sherry Eisenberg, author of The Food Lover's Guide to Brooklyn. Um, and you have written, I just love your little bio on the back. You've written, you've traveled, sorry, you've written about 370 cities in 33 countries that's a lot. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> <Congratulations>. a lot. <laughs> yeah, one of the nice things about working on the book was being grounded
2: for a certain amount of time because, you know, for my entire adult life, I've been a travel writer and I've been on the road constantly and that has its own rhythm that's very <laughs> different from someone who sort of works and lives in their hometown and stays put. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a fun aspect of working on the book was just staying in Brooklyn.
1: Great. And um, is this your first book? It is my first book. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. One of my favorite parts, of course, is that you, um, within this guide, provide a lot of recipes, and that's cool because I'm always trying to, like, you know, recreate things. And the ricotta should be really fun. Um, And do what was I going to say? I'm I'm, like got distracted by looking at these cute (laughs) little illustrations in it. Um, Is there a thing that you like to make at home? best or the most you know um, i love to cook mm. in general and for
2: the time that i was working on the book i wasn't cooking at all mm-hmm. and so um i've just been really excited to must get be like withdrawal yeah. <laughs> yes i'm sure you mm-hmm. probably felt that way about not eating out <laughs> <laughs> going to restaurants probably had a little bit of satisfaction to it when you were finally able to go back to it yeah and i feel that way about getting back into the kitchen and and cooking myself
1: cool so That's what do you fun. think is like a good um romantic date worthy meal to cook for somebody you know, my it's husband special. would say any time that I didn't make him eat out with me was a romantic oh. <laughs>
2: day-worthy meal. Oh, because, just because nice. it was such an intense experience mm-hmm. of you know feeling forced to really go someplace new every night. Um, but when we cook at home, uh, I think one of the the more fun things to make is fresh pasta. Oh, yeah, I think fresh pasta is really lovely.
1: Do you have the nice little pasta crank? And you know, we've been
2: doing it by hand. We haven't no. done a pasta crank. And I know it takes so much longer, and um, and I have so you, to admit that. Kind of Pull it out and yep. then cut it into mm-hmm. wide, fit it whatever. And to cut, cut it into shapes. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done some tortellini and some ravioli, which has been fun. But I have to say, in working on the book, I found so many amazing fresh pasta places around Ooh. the borough in the Italian neighborhoods. Bensonhurst has a bunch. Queen Anne Macaroni Company and Pistosa Ravioli. And they make, you know, every kind of fresh pasta you would imagine. And and they make so many different types of raviolis that you could really have a different one all the time and not get bored with it. Wow.
1: Do you feel like inspired to try to? top that kind of expertise? I don't know. They're don't so know. good at it <laughs>
2: <laughs> that in a way it has taken a little bit of the air out of the sales of my own pasta making because it's just so easy to go buy some and have it be done perfectly. Yeah,
1: I hear you. I mean, pasta, that's that's a tricky one. What about pizza? Is that something?
2: Yeah, I love make? to make pizza, mm-hmm. but again, there's great pizza in Brooklyn. So what my husband and I have been doing is we've been making Chicago-style deep dish pizza at home because that isn't something. you can put it in a dish. And you don't have to worry about the hot, super, you know, pizza stone or something. Yeah, yeah. you do it in a cast iron. We've been doing ours mm-hmm. in a cast iron pan. And because you can get the great Brooklyn style pizza in Brooklyn, I can't see sort of going through the effort to make oh. my own when Roberta's and Lou and everyone else do it so well. So <laughs> we tend to do things that you can't get in Brooklyn.
1: Chicago pizza. That's Chicago funny. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else is distinctive about that? Do they stuff the crust often? Have you done that? You know, it's that? just really deep. It's yeah. like a, it's more like a pie
2: in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And the cheese is not on top; the tomatoes are on top. So it's Wait, totally what? different. Yeah, have you had it before? I didn't know that that was the case. Yeah, the tomato sauce is on top, and then there's some grated cheese on top, like a Parmesan. But okay. the, the mozzarella is underneath everything. Bizarre. It's totally yeah. For a Brooklyn person, it's totally bizarre. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll have to go to Chicago someday, or make it myself. Yeah, or make it. It's really doable. Cool. So, um, what else are you working on right now? After or.
2: So I'm I'm back to the travel writing mm-hmm. and and that's been fun and I've also been writing about Brooklyn a little bit. I did a piece for the L.A. Times a few weeks ago on um, pop-up restaurants in Brooklyn, which is fun. Hey, what
1: what exactly do you, how do you
2: define that a pop-up restaurant? Yeah. I think it's um you know a restaurant that's in a space only maybe one day a week or two days a week. Um, so where like, they don't own, it's not full time their restaurant. It's something else the rest of the time. I Think Asia Dog. So Asia Dog okay. would definitely be a good example. Although they're getting their own space, oh, which I'm really nice. excited for them. That's actually been the new trend: is people with pop ups getting their own spaces, uh, sort of like the flea. You know, the flea. Yeah,
1: they tried it out and mm-hmm. then.
2: And then it works. I mean, I think nice. there's been so much success that these these food entrepreneurs have really found a real groove, and they've been able to make a living off of it. And so people are starting to open up restaurants who used to just be pop-ups, and people are starting to open up um,
1: shops who used to just in be... And this economy, too. That's pretty impressive. It is.
2: It's exciting, yeah. right? But I think one of the things this economy has taught us is, you know, there's really no stability anywhere in the world right now, so you should do
1: what you love, you know? <laughs> Throw <laughs> caution to the wind. Exactly. Exactly, do what you're really passionate about. I hear it. I hear you. So um, you must have started out as a journalist mm-hmm. and then kind of ventured into travel mm-hmm. and food. Travel and food, yeah. Were you always a- interested in food? And
2: I was, and I think yeah. as you know, as I traveled the world as a travel writer, maybe my assignment would be about hotels or it would be about resorts or cruise ships or beaches. But what I was most interested in, in was the local food. So um, that's how I realized over the years that I'd want to do more food writing and, and less sort of straightforward travel writing writing
1: Mm -hmm. what was the favorite your favorite place
2: uh you visited food wise yeah in the world in the world Mm -hmm. um I mean I think Singapore is such an exciting food destination and I love um traveling around Mexico for the food that's really amazing Hawaii has great food um and uh yeah I think those are probably some of my favorite of course Paris you know people always say like do you think Brooklyn is the best (laughs) food destination in the world Maybe yeah. it's a really exciting food destination, but um, I fell in love with food, studying abroad in Paris really for the first oh, okay. time. And so for me, you know um, Paris is is always going to be an exciting food mm-hmm. food visit for me. So how do I get your job? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're a food writer. I to go to Bora Bora and
2: <laughs> Singapore. You know, I was the um, travel editor at a bridal magazine for mm-hmm. a long time. And so a lot of the trips that I was doing were um, honeymoon stories. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was spending so much time in Hawaii and French Polynesia and nice Mexico and the Caribbean. Cool. But it was a good food education. Yeah,
1: I bet. And now you're a freelancer. And now I'm There's, freelance. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank
2: you. It's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying
1: it absolutely and this so this book kicks off you're gonna have a Fun party launch party! I yeah. hear
2: at the Brooklyn Kitchen. At the Brooklyn Kitchen, yeah. Okay. So that's going to be fun. They've they're such an amazing space. I think what they're doing with their cooking classes and the Meat Hook Butcher and, and the fact that you can buy so many interesting local products there. I think they're really yeah. exciting. A real exciting nice,
1: business. Big place now. It is right. Goodness. it's yeah. so big compared to their other old space. Mm-hmm. And um, so your party is going to be the book is going to be on sale there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure and and. Tons of other places.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I was walking by the Barnes and Noble on Book Court on um, Court Street, and I yeah. was like, "Oh, I'm just going to peek in and see if they have it. And, it." and it was in the New York section, which is really terrific. fun. Um, but yeah, all the independent bookstores have it too. I know Greenlight has it, and in Fort Greene, and Book Court has it in Cobble Hill too. So I think it's it's everywhere now, which is terrific. Nice.
1: So, guys, check it, check this out. And I I do have to ask you, what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite? Yeah. I have a few favorites. Okay. And they're sort of, they're not really <coughs>
2: restaurants, actually. Um, That's I, fine I, One of my favorite discoveries was Georgian Bread. Do you know this place? No, it's um, it's in Brighton Beach, Coney okay. Island area, and um, they make this bread from Georgia. That's really all they do. It's the small bakery, and they have this kiln. Um, that I don't know if they built there or they flew in. Um, and you go in. It's such a quirky little place. Every surface is covered with flour, and the baker in the back <laughs> is covered in flour. <laughs> and he has like a wed a white bandana on, and he wears white clothes. And goggles on. <laughs> <laughs> he probably should. I mean, it's it's kind of funny, but they make two types of bread. And one of them is sort of a plain uh, bread, kind of like, I guess, their take on a baguette sort of thing. Um, But the bread that I go there for is called kasha pori. And um, it looks a bit like a focaccia. It's puffy and porous like Mm -hmm. a focaccia. But you bite into it and cheese oozes out. And it's just the most spectacular I don't know, grown-up version of a grilled cheese. Ooh. It's really amazing. So it's got to be hot. It's re- every time I've been there, and I've been there a good dozen times now at different times of the day, it's always hot. They always have a batch coming out of the oven. But the thing is, it's so hot, and that's when the cheese <laughs> is the gooeyest. So I always find myself burning my lips on it because I, I don't <laughs> want to wait until that it cools happen. down. Yeah. You know? Pizza. Well, that sounds amazing. It's really great. Another place that I really love is NYC Icy. Have you been there? Uh-uh. They, um, they make their own water ice. And I'm originally from Philadelphia, so I'm a water ice girl from way back. But their ice? Theirs are not like the Philadelphia water ices I grew uh-huh. up in, where it's like lemon or cherry in a little cup. Uh-huh. And uh, it's sort of neon colors. And <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know yeah. there's not a lot of actual lemon or cherry flavor probably going on in there. But at this place, they do theirs with fresh fruits. And they make one where they juice cute cucumbers and they turn it into water ice and it's the most refreshing thing on a hot day that sounds perfect one of their other flavors i'm in love with is thai iced tea they make a thai iced tea water ice that is like spectacular and the texture is really soft of their ice it's really different is it
1: kind of like italian ice it is
2: kind of like italian ice only it's much
1: smoother Mm -hmm. it's much smoother interesting why i wonder why they call it water ice I think because it's, like it's, it's and water and ice, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um,
2: but it's also a totally different thing than the, um, you know, Hawaiian ices, mm-hmm. the Hawaiian shaved shaped ice, ice yeah. yeah, which is a, a different thing than this. Interesting.
1: So, I'd like to, I, I'd like to get a survey of like I would love to read because it sounds a lot like this Taiwanese specialty they mm. have, and um, that is. <clears throat> With it, The sweetened condensed smooth, milk and the beans. It, 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 no, not not like a slushy thingy, but it's like a s- firm like scoop. Okay, with like all this like real fresh fruit flavor and juice in it, mm. but it's not chunky like a like a hawaiian or shaved thing. It's like it's more like an Italian ice, but it's not neon. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, it probably is like this. Yeah, then. warm climate places just know how to do this stuff. They right? really do. Yeah. They really do
2: cool yeah so that's something I really like too and I I have to say like it's more refreshing than ice cream Mm -hmm. you know as much as I love Brooklyn Ice Cream Factory and Blue Marble and some of the amazing ice cream shops in Brooklyn on a really hot day the the water
1: ices are are a little more refreshing cool and I gotta say like I was gonna ask you before you know or I think I did ask you you know does this inspire you to cook at home but you know This stuff you can't make at home. No. (laughs) And it's changed the way I cook at home
2: because Mm -hmm. I did so much research on the best places to find fresh mozzarella and the best places to find fresh ricotta and pasta. And that I feel like now when I cook, I want to source from all over the borough. And I want to spend all day Saturday running around and picking up the ingredients at all the different places that you can get them from.
1: A Brooklyn food lover's meal. Exactly. Let's do it soon. All right. Thanks so much, Sherry, for for coming here. Um, Thank you. All the time we have, but do check out this great book, um, The Food Lover's Guide to Brooklyn, just came out. And uh, Do you, are you on Twitter? Sherry I am. NYC.
2: Sherry NYC on Twitter. And the
1: website for the book is foodloversbrooklyn.com. Cool. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Well, um, I'd like to thank uh, Nat Wiener and Jack Inslee and our sponsor, Fairway Market. And uh, we'll be here next week. I'm your host, Kathy O'Reilly Thanks so much for listening to Let's Eat In. Oh,